0: Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hello and welcome to this week's Alabama AgCast. I'm your host, Mike Moody. On this week's AgCast, we've got some very special guests with us today, Seth and Kaylee Hubert. Seth and Kaylee, how are y'all doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having us. All right, all right. Now, this is going to be the first time I've ever even talked about this crop that you raise on your farm. You guys have a tulip farm in New Market, Alabama, in Madison County. Is that correct? That's correct. Tell me why in the world, I know Holland has, you know, they're known for the tulip. And, you know, Chilton County known for peaches, but I didn't know Newmarket was known for tulips. How did we get to tulips?
1: Uh, Well, it's a long story, maybe. But um, so we always row cropped and I was pretty young. My dad passed, grew about 2000 acres of cotton. And when dad passed, I was young. My brother was still in high school, so we um, had to get out. Um, The farm shrank considerably and... I always knew that's what I wanted to do when I kind of got out into the world and I started back in 2016 with just a tractor and a planter, uh, trying to row crop and, and custom hire and everything else and Huntsville's growth, which were north of Hunts, new markets north of Huntsville by about, uh, 20 minutes, uh, Actually, a little closer to a town called Hazel Green, but New Market Man address, but we're so close to Huntsville's growth has made it extremely hard to exist as a farm, so <clears throat> we just kind of had to take a long look in the mirror, because for a long time we fought that, and kind of come to terms with if we're going to going to exist as a farm, and but especially have something to pass down to our children. We have we have two children, um, Addie is four and Atlas is three, uh, a girl and a boy. And if we're gonna have something viable for them to to take on, um, we better really change our business model because it's a slow death for row crop. Um, there's some guys that own enough land, they might get stick around, but land has become so valuable to uh, that even they might have to take a look in the mirror and say, I could grow my operation tremendously if I go somewhere else and farm. So you've got the pumpkin patches, you've got strawberries, you've seen those done. And so I just kind of started thinking, like, where where do we fit into this whole uh, agriturism dynamic? And I knew that Huntsville, as it stood in, we started in 2020. Like, we knew it was booming then, is continuing to grow and we I really don't see any slowing down and right. we're really insulated to any economic downturns because of all the Redstone Arsenal and NASA and FBI's com you just you go down the list and name the big companies coming to Huntsville. So I really knew that it had to involve the public and uh I was sitting on the steps of the porch at uh we live in I live in my grandparents house um Right there on the where the original shop and everything is. And my daughter, since she has been able to like crawl or walk, has loved to pick anything that resembled that had color that resembled a flower. So, like, I'm talking like hen bit, the stuff we want gone. She's like got her hand stuff full, a little bouquet of yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, sitting on the steps and just thought, man, it would be great. I bet families would love to come you pick a flower. Well, and to back up a little bit, I had told her for I don't know several years. Like I, she calls me an ag nerd <laughs> because I'm always. I'm 100% is this true? One hundred percent, he's an ag nerd. <laughs> I love to like see how things are done in other you know countries or just different different. I mean, we just sat in a seminar on artichokes. You know uh, that that's cool. It's a unique crop. Enjoyed it, and I'd always told her like, let's. It would be awesome if we could go see the tulips in bloom knew they were grown in the Pacific Northwest, um, and uh, uh, everybody knows Holland, like you said. Sure. And uh, it's hard to get to Holland and the Pacific Northwest, too, but it's always that time of year where you're, like, trying to plant, you know, a crop, I guess, in the spring there and uh, never have been able to make it. But that's where my mind went initially when I was kind of uh,
2: brainstorming yeah
1: ruminating on um my daughter picking flowers and I thought man it would be awesome if you could you pick a you pick a tulip like if you could recreate that uh like the tulip fields in the Pacific Northwest or Holland and then kind of just like dug in talked to some people did some research and um because initially you're like climate Right. soul top
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't think Alabama would would be hosted It's of, it's really not tulip. conducive
1: to it's actually uh, we have a gentleman a contact he's a bulb producer in Holland he's been great uh we established a relationship with him he's actually been over twice now to, he stays with uh, he stayed with us twice he to, he his exact statement was you have the harshest climate that I've ever seen a tulip grown in so it's our heat really in our humidity uh, levels, they do not like fungus. And then like in the spring when they're blooming, if you get, you know, 70 degrees, you can just see the flower like, opening. It wants to drop its petals. And I've even noticed not even just that, like uh, our intensity of sun to, it, like it can be like 60 degrees, but we just have a bright sun and that just, that takes a toll on them. So yeah, initially you're like climate, soil type so different but can it be done and just getting to talking to people we felt like we could get enough of a fest of of a enough weeks of bloom to create a festival around it and i would say that we've gotten a little less than we even imagined we could get in terms of like how quickly our heat has taken them out uh but we've got three weeks and four weeks uh so far out of it and um it's it's been great but that is kind of how we got there, and then those are the lim- limiting factors on like um,
0: um, our climate and stuff. Right. Well, uh, Kayla, let's let's turn the uh, turn the attention to you a little <laughs> bit. Uh, did you Did you grow up in an ag background?
2: I did not. I did not grow up anything in ag. Uh, my, my grandparents were barbers, and my mom drove a school bus, and my dad played baseball for a living. So no ag background. No for ag me. background. No. So.
0: Uh, So when this idea was presented, what was your first thought?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, my initial thought, Seth will say I was was against it, but I wasn't against it. But you you see the cost of what it takes to grow a field of tulips, and instantly you're like, this is too much. When the Uh, unknown's like... This is too much. They've never been done here. You're you're crazy (laughs) but uh i was we we did it i supported and we did it and it it worked out
1: well and everybody's like you know know your market know where you're going and we didn't really it was like you pick so and we knew we were trying to create like an experience instead of like just selling to wholesale or a floor so it was about Mm -hmm. coming to the farm and
2: it wasn't about selling every single flower it was more about being in a field of flowers like How many people can say I've been in a field field of 300,000 tulips before? And and I'm
0: guessing that the social media is just tremendous because people are putting their selfies and they're taking pictures all the time and and sharing them out. Oh, yeah,
2: it's free advertisement. People come to, to take photos and they love it. I mean, it's a beautiful backdrop. It fits engagement maternity i mean you get friends and family it's just a yeah it's it's the best well and
1: i think in the southeast you where how many i'm not saying there's no other place i'm just saying how many places can you go to be in a field of tulips like she said well you've got to travel to oregon or or holland so there's this unique factor and exotic factor so the like the very thing that makes it not ideal is that our climate's not good but that they are existing in the climate Mm -hmm. makes it exotic so that you know creates a bigger draw i feel like Mm
2: -hmm.
1: absolutely how many acres do you have in tulips uh there's about four to five in tulip production yeah
2: it's never a dull day on the farm especially when your day starts before the sun comes up we're alabama ag credit and while some don't get it we do As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources.
0: Uh, I think we were talking earlier. You said uh, that's mechanical. You have mechanical yes, planting. Yeah,
1: so the the very first year we did not, we planted them by hand, and we were at 212,000 tulips the first year. Uh, planted them by hand because that was the
0: first and last year you did it. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. by hand. Exactly. So we tried, we had a planner, uh come in a box. Uh, Some assembly required. Yeah,
2: yes, sir. (laughs) From
1: Holland. So, kind of crazily, we developed a relationship with a farm in Oregon called Wooden Shoe Tulip Farm. It's beautiful. Uh, The Iversons own it. They're awesome people. And their uh, farm backs up to Mount Hood. So you can see Mount Hood snow capped in the background of like this field of tulips. It's like 40, they grow about 40 acres. I may be off on that a little bit, but about 40 acres of tulips. And it's just, it's phenomenal. And so I went, we went and visited them, visited them and uh, they were great. They gave me a contact of the gentleman in Holland and that's how that we got the tulip planter. But so we had been in contact the first year. We thought we had a used system bought out of Canada uh and the guy ended up keeping it to like re-engineer i think to plant irises instead of it was a tulip planter and we kind of talked about it he was going to sell it and then he decided to keep it well that put us behind the curve and it was like okay this is your only form of mechanization potentially and we knew it wasn't designed to do what we needed it to do but we sent got it sent over anyway anyways put it together and could have uh, took some time to re-engineer it. But the first year, I was very unsure, like, my window to get them in the ground. So when the bulbs come to us from Holland, uh, the first year, they come straight from Holland. They port in Charleston. Then they come to us. Well, we, we then you have them. And you've got to either keep them or get them in the ground. And so we were, I, I was like, we've got to get these in the ground right now. And the mechanization's not really going the way we want it to. And I said, I just we just had to make an executive decision. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a popular one, <laughs> but uh, I said we've got to get them in the ground. Let's plant them by hand. And we called family and friends and got it, got them planted. Um, I, I was able to use like I created this V trench with an implement. We were able to like spill them out. We didn't have to orient them. Uh, but we but that still they come in like crates of like 500. Our uh, beds were how long 75 yards mm-hmm. so i mean you're spilling out over 70 almost three quarters of a football field that's a long way to walk mm-hmm. you know still and and cover all that acreage so yeah. we did that took a rainflow better and actually rolled dirt back Turned over the bar- dirt back yeah, yeah that's how i got them to like that's how I, I made it work the first year uh but the planning process was by hand
2: it was on it was on the Saturday of the Alabama Auburn on game. Iron Bowl. so if you if you're in Alabama, you know that that Saturday that Alabama plays auburn is the Saturday that you're not doing anything but sitting and watching football <laughs> yeah. right. if you're not <laughs> a
0: if you're not a football fan, that's the best day to go shopping exactly or, you know, yeah. no yeah. one okay. else is there you know. exactly, yes,
2: so our family and friends really love us to skip out on yeah, the Alabama absolutely. auburn football game and come help us hand plant two hundred and twelve thousand tulips <laughs> so, so that's the,
0: that's what family's for exactly, yes, yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> we
2: love them. <laughs>
1: So the next year we made sure we had a we had ample time to kind of look for one and uh, and we did. We got a we got a mechanical planter. So it's got this hopper, dump the bulbs in. It's got it literally looks like an old washboard to me. It reciprocates and that kind of levels them mm-hmm. so that they're not like falling uneven or in bunches. Right. And then it falls down these sleeves and we plant in a net system. So the nets allow us to like remove the bulbs after the year's over because they are so susceptible to fungus that if we have any um, bulbs sitting in the ground uh, it'll create an issue when you go back to that spot but it's the longest rotation that I've ever been known or been a part of it's five years until I can go back in the same two, like tulip two field one and then it rotates I can't go back in that same tulip right. field for five years
0: because fungal issues. Wow, that's a lot of effort on your part uh, to, to try to get that in. It. But when is the the best time for people to go and visit you? And so
1: it'll be in around mid-March usually. Um, it's so temperature dependent, like pr- the most temperature dependent I've, uh, thing or crop that I've ever seen. I say this all the time, We the first year we didn't know what to expect. It was like Saturday, March 12th, right, I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. and plenty of foliage up just waiting and i could see buds just waiting on color like no color in the field And, and she she had been over to the field uh on that saturday the next day i was over on the sunday i was over working and we had pushed back um our opening date because we didn't have color yet and um about lunchtime i called her and i said we could have been open today and she said you're crazy and I said, come come over after lunch to the field, and she did. And we just had like over. If you get warmth and like especially like warm night, when, when those early varieties are about ready, they just pop. Mm-hmm. And so it just happens all at once. And uh, so that has been uh, typically March fifteenth ish. Yeah, mid, uh,
2: mid to late March, and and we'll have bloom for about three to four weeks, depending on weather weather dependent. But um, yeah. about a month of a month of festival.
1: Yeah, we lasted till April tenth last year. Yep, and it just it just varies. And this year, with the our, the heavy rains in like the end of December, because we tried to get planted by uh, Thanksgiving, our bulb delivery got pushed back by four days, and that those four days cost us a month this year because conditions were great. And when our bulbs got pushed back, being delivered on time, um, the rain set in. Right. We got like a four inch to begin with, almost a four inch the day I we received our bulbs and from there it just didn't dry up until we caught a window December 29th, I believe. And so that's like a whole month later. So we're, we're really unsure this year, what that's going to do to like bloom. I think nature tries to catch up. Like I've already noticed that they've tried to catch up in terms of um, when I saw spikes, Uh, we're noticing some spiking occurring in the field right now and that is behind, but it's not a full four weeks behind from from when we normally see spiking. Right. right. So so it, nature has tried to speed to it compensate. up to compensate.
0: Yes, sir. Kelly. So w- where do you guys? Well, this is to both of you. Where do you where do you see this operation going? What what's your what's your goal?
2: Our end goal. That's so hard to say because we talk about so many different things all the time. I think our main goal is row crop is dying out as we've as we've talked about. We want to have a, a niche crop. On all part of the farm. So, whether it be tulips or another flower, we want to keep it going. We want to we want to go from five acres of tulips. We would love to have 40 acres of tulips. That would be awesome. I'd
1: love awesome. to have as many we, acres as I could. I we mean, want I,
2: the whole farm to be tulips. That would yeah, be so when, great. Yeah,
1: when they hit peak bloom, I mean, it's just so pretty. So it's, yeah, love it's the, the best. Farm.
2: It really is the, the perfect, the most photogenic yeah. place that there is. Eventually, we would love to have lodging on the farm, have people stay there with us. we love... We'd love to host events. We'd love, I mean, uh, the agritourism aspect of this is really just not, I don't even really think that there's like a in a goal, an end line, a finish line at it. I really think that we could just keep going and expanding with literally anything to get the public on the farm.
1: Yeah, so I mean, we're both very passionate about agriculture, especially me probably, but I... I mean I want so we talk about how disconnected the general public is from the farm all the time.
2: We noticed that that first year Absolutely. immediately cuz people would they would come to the farm, they would pick a flower and they had no concept that that flower will die. Some they people, would pick a flower, they would pick a flower and be like, I don't really want this flower. I I'll but I'll take this flower. And we're like, well, you know, this now that you've picked it, that flower, once you pick that flower, it will die. There's not, there's nothing else I can do you with it now. It back the and ground. they were mind blown that we couldn't just yeah. put it back in the ground and let someone else pick it. And I'm, so the disconnect is so, awful.
1: So, I mean, I envision a farm being like uh, this like holistic approach. So I would love to continue to develop the entertainment aspect of it. And like Kaylee said, like lodging, we want to have... Like an event building where where you can come, you can stay, you can dine and drink and and eat and really relax and get away from like, I guess, the city, uh, so to speak. But I want it to be like everything you're consuming when you come visit our farm is grown on the farm in some capacity Uh, from like having a beer all the way to... um, you know the the bread. You know, mill our own grain. I think that would be awesome. And all while you could stay on the farm, and I think it's kind of it's no secret to me that people are kind of coming back to the farm. I think it's intrinsic. You know, I don't think agriculture has become really commercialized. And it's I mean it's great because it's allowed fellow man to pursue their endeavors, right? Because we've the American farmers became so good at what they do, it just shows up on the shelf for you.
0: You know, it just, right. it's just data. It, uh, the stat that we use is one farmer feeds 155 people yeah, in yeah, America. Mm-hmm. So.
1: And I forget that you might know the stats, but it's something like under, I think it's under 2%, maybe even 1% now of the American population is a farmer. And so you have like 1% of the population feeding 99% of the population. But I think it's just innate that people are kind of, more concerned and, and kind of coming back to the farm and wanting to get back to the farm because I don't know that we were ever meant to really be that removed from where our food comes or be that conscious of.
0: Because it's of, hard to appreciate it if you don't know where it comes from. It. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, we're, we've used up all of our time and this has <laughs> been an outstanding conversation. Thank you, Seth and Kaylee Hubert of Hubert Tulip Farm. Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. Um, new mar- new market. market. New market. I'll, new market. I had New Hope with <laughs> my head, but I'll, I'll clean that There is a New Hope, right. but we're, New market. We're there new, is market. A new Hope. New market.
1: But if you're thinking about coming, you might want to drive toward Hazel Green <laughs> instead of New Market. That's right. Don't trust
0: your GPS. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't trust your GPS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. trust yeah. it. All right. Well, thank you guys, and we'll uh, we'll have to visit again sometime to see how your operation develops and uh, and moves into new areas. So we'll thank do the, you. Do this oh. in
2: five years and see where we are.
0: we will have to make a, an appointment a long time ahead. Right. All right. Well, thank you both. Thank you. And now, your weekly AgCast Wrap-Up. In the Wrap-Up today, the Alabama Treasure Forest Association is sponsoring the award-winning Natural Resources webinar series from the Alabama Cooperative Extension System. Throughout 2023, a new webinar will be available every other Wednesday. Coming up on March 1st, Jimmy Stiles, Ph.D. candidate with Auburn University, will discuss controlling Chinese privet with fire. And on March 15th, Mark Turner, Ph.D. candidate with University of Tennessee, will cover the topic of managing hardwood forests for deer and turkey with forest stand improvement and prescribed burning. Check the show notes for a link to the complete webinar schedule. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.